Hello, everyone. This is your co-host, Chuck Morrell, and I want to welcome you to the BCV show, better known as the book chapter and verse show. And I want to say thank you to all those that have been listening to our prior show, especially uh, with Marcus Washington. I want to say thank you, Marcus, for putting out some very good spiritual content for our edification, because in this day and time, we need it. And as you know, the world has been concerned with the coronavirus, COVID-19, this pandemic that has spread all over the world. And people have been concerned about what's going on with this pandemic. And so people have taken necessary steps to stay safe as well as protecting their loved ones. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with any of that of taking necessary steps. And we should because if this thing is not treated properly and taken seriously, uh, this thing could, this this coronavirus could be life-threatening. However, this virus, this pandemic that's going on, is not the most dangerous pandemic that has plagued the world. The most dangerous plague or pandemic is the plague of false doctrine. And what I'll try to do, I will try to make some comparisons with the most dangerous pandemic. In other words, I'm going to compare this pandemic to what I believe is the most dangerous pandemic, and that is false doctrine. And so join with me now in Hebrews 13, and I want us to take a look at Hebrews 13 and verse Nine, And I want to read uh, that passage and take a couple of thoughts from there. In Hebrews 13 and verse 9, the Bible says from the King James Version, Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. And so I want to take a couple of thoughts on that on my subject, the most dangerous pandemic. And so why do I say and why am I saying that false doctrine is the most dangerous pandemic? Well, it's simply because false doctrine can cost you your soul eternally. And so let's go on to point number one. Point number one, let's go back to Hebrews 13 and let's just take a look at this first part here. Um, be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. OK, let's stop right there, because my first point is this and comparing false doctrine with the pandemic that's going on here. When you turn on the TV, what do you see? What do you see? COVID-19 news. Coronavirus news. That's what you see. When you turn on the radio, what do you hear? COVID-19 news. Coronavirus news. When you go outside and go to the store, do you see signs that talk about the coronavirus? You do. When you talk to your friends, what's dominating the conversation most of the time? The coronavirus, COVID-19. Well, point number one is this is a problem. Point number one is is so much information. It's too much information out here. It's way too much. It's to the point now. I was talking to a friend uh, early today, and it, it was so much information he was telling me about. He basically said, "You don't know what to believe now, or what is true and what's not true." Just for instance, this is give you some examples. I was told that wearing gloves is not good for pre preventing the coronavirus. But then on the other hand, I was told, hey, you need to wear gloves because it prevents you from getting the coronavirus. Another one was you shouldn't wear a mask because all it does is carry germs. Well, from most of the information that I've heard, you should wear a mask because it prevents you from getting droplets and things like that, airborne. 
and it stops you from or prevents you from getting the coronavirus. You also have differences of opinion about vaccine. There are some people out here that actually believe that there's a vaccine out here already. Then you have some people that are arguing about, well, the malaria drug is a vaccine for COVID-19. And then you have doctors going back and forth with the president and, and all this about what's right and what's wrong and what you should take and what you shouldn't take and all this. And so when people hear all this information and people hear all this information, it gets to a point to where it's so much information that they don't want to hear it anymore because they don't know what to believe anymore. And it starts to confuse people and people just get tired of it and they don't want to hear it. And eventually, you know what ends up happening? People end up doing their own thing. This is exactly what's going to happen. Well, false doctrine is the same way. I don't know if you've noticed, but isn't there all kinds of doctrines out here, all kinds of teachings out here, all kind of beliefs out here, all kind of different ways to become a Christian, all kind of different ways to worship, all kind of different ways to go to church. It doesn't you you hear this doctrine about it doesn't matter what church you go to. Uh, and uh, the Bible talks about this and the Bible talks about that. And so people don't know what to believe when it comes to uh, the right and wrong way when it comes to the correct doctrine, because it's so much different kind of teachings out here. It's the same way it is with this pandemic. It's so much different kind of teachings on the coronavirus, uh, teachings on on what to do and what not to do that people don't want to hear. Well, it's the same thing with us with false doctrine and in religion, period. It's so much of it out here that people don't want to hear it. They get tired of it. They either get confused and you know what happens. They end up doing their own thing. That's what's going on here. In fact, I heard some information the other day on the radio. I kid you not. That Canadian studies show that if you smoke a little marijuana, you know, cannabis, and in the street terms, weed, if you smoke that, it'll prevent you from getting the coronavirus. Now, I don't know how true that is. There hasn't been enough studies or law of large numbers to really substantiate that. I haven't seen that. So, but now, if people want to use an excuse to get their smoke on, then here's an excuse for you to do it because somebody put out a study, the Canadian studies, that you can smoke weed, and that'll prevent you from getting the coronavirus. Well, it's the same thing it is with false doctrine. All kind of information out here. What should a person believe when it comes to uh, the Bible? Well, the Bible has clearly made known what to do to become a Christian. God did not leave that out. Not God's word. God's perfect will for man is in there for us to know what to do to become a Christian. He also gave us the perfect will on how to worship him. God did not leave that up to us. God dictates worship. He tells us how to worship. Where do you find it? You find it in the Bible. God didn't, didn't, you know, Leave that unknown. He wouldn't do that. He told us how to worship according to his word. He also showed us in the Bible what church that you should be a member of. All that can be found in God's word, the Bible. Now, before I go on to point number two, there's some doctrine that I do want to expose right now. And I'm not trying to be mean, ugly, nasty, but I think there are some people, some innocent people, some some people that have been tricked into believing that there are still faith healers out here. And I want you to turn your Bibles to uh, John chapter 7. And I just want you to hold right there at John 7 because I want to point out something. I want to point out something to us. If ever there was a time when people want to know where God is, through the faith healers who these people that claim that they can heal folks in the name of Jesus and they put their hands on people and you see them all on TV. Uh, and then after they get through, you know, preaching, whatever this is that they preach and they 
They show a little miracle on TV uh, when they put their hands on somebody and they fall out and and they say they were healed of an ailment. If ever there was a time for these people to come out, this, don't you think, do you think this would be the time to come out? This would be the time. If people claim that they can heal instantaneously, where are they? Well, you know, a brother of mine told me the reason why they're not coming out is because they at the house trying to stay away from the pandemic. Oh, so why? For what? Why are you hiding? Before this pandemic came out, there were people out here that believed that other people could put their hands and pray and you would be healed instantaneously. That is that hasn't happened since since. Since the New Testament was written. But now let's go to John chapter seven, because Jesus was confronted with the same thing. And this is what I'm telling the faith healers that are out there. Where are you now? I want us to take a look at John chapter seven. And I want to look at verse number three. I want us to take a look at that. Notice what it says. His brethren. Therefore said unto him, depart thence and go into Judea that thy disciples also might may see the works that thou doest. Did you just hear what they just asked Jesus, told Jesus? Look, go out and let everybody see you. Come on out. What are you hiding for? Well, notice what they said. Notice what they said. In the next verse, watch this. Uh, let me read this again. That the disciples might see that works for four, verse four, for there is no man, not a one, for there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If, and notice that if, if thou do these things, Show thyself to the world. Folks, if there are some faith healers out here, show yourself to the world. This ought to put to rest about people saying they can claim that they can heal and, and they pray all day and night. No, 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 no. Back in biblical time, when Jesus put his hands on people, when Jesus said, hey, you are healed. They were healed instantaneously. They didn't have to pray over them all night. It was done. Sometimes Jesus didn't even have to touch them. Just said, go thy way. Now, so now. Somebody might say, well, see, that's what I'm talking about. The Bible says thy faith has made thee whole. You should have faith for you to be healed. Right? Uh, no, not necessarily. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I want you to turn your Bibles to uh I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew 15. I want you to turn there with me. Matthew 15. And I want to ask you a question about this. Matthew 15. And I want to take a look at verse 30. I want I want to ask you a question about this. And then we're going to prove a point about about this faith healing false doctrine that's out here. Matthew 15 and verse 30. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, meaning that their hands or feet was deformed, or they may not have had any, but they had a deformity in their extremities. Yeah. And many others and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he Healed them because they had faith? No. He just healed them. There was no condition of faith there. All they did was just bring the sick people there. And guess what Jesus did? Healed them. Right then, right there. See, the problem is, is that the faith healers say, well, you have to have faith. You have it backwards. Why did Jesus perform the miracles in the first place? Why did he do that? Why did he do that? He did that 
to produce faith, not because the people already had faith. Because they already had faith, Jesus wouldn't have had to perform a miracle. He wouldn't have had to heal them. Jesus performed the miracles to show that he was approved of God. Acts 2 and verse number 22. The Bible says there, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, a man approved of God by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you. Why did he do it? So that God could be glorified and to prove that Jesus Christ was the son of God. I want you to turn your Bibles to uh, John 20 and verse number 30 and 31. Nicodemus said in John 3 and verse number 2, John 3 and verse number 2, that Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God because no man can do these miracles except God be with them. So what was the point of Jesus doing the miracles to show that he was approved by God to show that he was the son of God? So let's just look at John 20, John chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31. And the Bible says there and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe. Notice the signs were done so that a person could believe, not because they already believed. So when a person say, well, no, you have to have faith for me to do it. No, no, no. That's not how Jesus did it. Jesus did the miracles so they could believe. So now the faith healers that's out here, where are they? You know why they're not out here? Because God is not with them. And for those of you who have been who have been beguiled, tricked, deceived, whatever you want to call it. Please stop sending your money to these people thinking that they can heal you. You know how they can get on the TV and they, they'll look at you with a, you know, with a real pious look. And they say, well, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his word and the power of healing, then support this ministry and send, you know, what you can, at least $25. <laughs> Don't fall for that anymore. Don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. Stay with the Bible because the Bible only teaches that miraculous healing was done because God was with Jesus to prove who he was. And he did that. And so that's one false doctrine that needed to be exposed right then, right there, because there's so much false doctrine out here. So if people out here claim that they can heal, come on out and heal and quit hiding. But the problem is they can't do it because God is not with them. Now, on the point number two, I want us to take a look. Let's go back now. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 13, because of point number two that we're about to make here. Uh, Hebrews 13 and verse nine. Again, I want us to take a look. Let's just read that over. But we're going to make a point uh, from a, the second line here. Be not carried away with divers and strange doctrines. We just dealt with that. But now I want us to notice this next part. For it is a good thing that the heart that's talking. We're not talking about your blood pumper, not the thing in your chest. We're talking about your mind, that your mind be established with grace, notice the contrast, not with meats. Meats there mean food, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Let's just deal with this. Has not God still been gracious to us? Regardless of what's going on, has not God been gracious to us? This is not a part of my lesson, but I just think that amidst all this trouble, and turmoil and death, God is still being gracious to us. God is still being good to us. Couldn't God make this thing far more worse than what it is? He could, but he hasn't. God could deal with us according to our sins. And you know what that means? That means eternal damnation in hell, but he hadn't done that. We still alive and still breathing and still eating and still we still surviving here because God has been gracious to us. 
And sometimes we forget that God is still gracious because of the turmoil that we're going through. Let's not forget, God doesn't have to do us any favors. He doesn't have to do anything for us. He doesn't owe us anything. But because God loves us and because God cares for us, God is still gracious regardless of what's going on. And people have to accept that and believe that because God never promised us that life was going to be perfect on this planet. He never promised that. He never did. But what he did promise is that his grace is going to be sufficient for everyone. He said that. He's done that. We need to believe that and accept that. So on the point number two about, about the second line here, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Let's not forget that. Not with foods. <sighs> point number two is that people have been concerned and careless at the same time. Now, that sounds like an oxymoron. How in the world, you know, contradictory in terms. How in the world can a person be concerned and careless at the same time? Well, let's just think about this. Has COVID-19 brought out good in a lot of cases? Has it? It's brought out some good in some cases, but not nearly enough. Now, we've already seen the selfishness of hoarding. We've already seen that. Okay, when the last time you was able to buy some uh, some Lysol stuff used to be everywhere and it didn't cost that much to get it. When the last time you got got a hold of some alcohol, when the last time when COVID-19 first came out. What was going on? People was hoarding all the water. They were hoarding all the tissue. They were hoarding all the Lysol. The alcohol. I saw a woman, I saw a woman uh, when this thing first came out, she didn't have one basket full. She had two. The grocery stores were littered with people who don't even grocery shop that often. But they were there with two baskets full of all the so-called essentials. And matter of fact, when the last time you bought some Lysol wipes, you have some? When the last time you seen it? Hadn't seen it. You know why? Because COVID-19 has brought out something that people are more concerned about themselves. That's the hoarding part. They're more concerned about themselves than they are about themselves and others. See, it's okay to be concerned about yourself. But it's a problem when you're concerned about yourself only. And so people are concerned but then they are careless when it comes to other. Do you see now that's not a contradiction? You can be so concerned about yourself that you could care less about somebody else. I'm going to tell you another thing. I'm going to tell you another thing. Uh, what about the economic status? Are people more concerned now with wealth than they are with health? Why are we opening back up so soon? Why are we doing it? Because the government has decided that, hey, because the money is getting short and people are not working. And I, I understand that. I understand this. If you don't have money, you can't you can't buy anything. Well, you, you, you really need to understand that if everybody is sick, then how can anybody work in the first place? Just understand that. So. What happens is, and I want you to pay attention to this because this is not the most dangerous pandemic. I'm telling you, it sounds really, really dangerous, but it's not the most dangerous pandemic. But I'm going to make a comparison later on with this pandemic that I'm this this analogy that I'm saying right now. We have people right now more concerned about our economic status to the point now to where everything is starting to open up and people are now more concerned about the money. And getting careless about social distancing. It's to the point now in the world they're comfortable. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but the traffic is looking a little bit more thicker. Stores are a little bit more thicker. Now you have people that are coming out, going to the, going to the beaches and everything. And they're not social distancing. They're not wearing masks, not wearing gloves, not doing it. They're now careless. And you know what's going to end up happening? The COVID-19 virus is going to spike. 
In fact, news was the other day that South Carolina had 1,100 people affected in one day because people were more concerned about getting out than staying in. We could not, and I want you to hear this point that I'm about to say, we could not stick to the plan of staying in for just two weeks. Do you really think the economy was going to suffer that bad if we all just isolated for two weeks? Do you really think that that was going to it was going to make the stock market crash? Do you really think that was going to happen? That really wasn't going to happen, but we didn't see because guess what? No one really stuck to the plan. I work outside, so I see what's going on and nobody was really following this plan. We didn't have enough patience to follow the plan. We couldn't endure the plan that could possibly get this stuff out of here. We just couldn't do it. Folks, now I'm going to tell you something, and I don't mean to be ugly about this, but the reason why we just can't stay in the house for two weeks because we can't stand each other. We're we not family oriented like we used to be. We're just not. We, this is the reason why domestic violence has gone up. This is the reason why. We cannot, we are used to being away from each other eight, nine, ten hours. Come home for about three or four hours, eat a little something, take a bath and go to sleep, and that's it. And then get back up and go back out. That's what we're used to now. Because we're not family. When the last time you ate dinner with your husband, with your wife, with your kids? When the last time y'all sat down and had a family move together? When the last time y'all spent time together? You can't, for two weeks you couldn't do that. For two weeks, we can't do that. But the problem is we're too used to getting out and having our own thing outside. And then when we come home, we just as private when we come home. Okay. See, that's the concern of selfishness. That's the concern of my own being. That's the concern of my wealth. But we are careless about our families. We are careless we're careless when it comes to things that are really, really important. And that's trying to get this stuff out of here as best we can. And we're not trying really, really that hard anymore because we've lost patience because we want to go out. Is that the most dangerous pandemic? Do you think that the, the pandemic that's going on is going to spike? Sure it is. It already is. But that's not the most dangerous pandemic. I want you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah 38 and let's just compare now the spiritual pandemic, because I'm saying false doctrine is still the most dangerous pandemic. But let's just let's just turn to Isaiah 38 and let's just Isaiah chapter 30. I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 30 and verse eight. And I want to take a look at what that verse says. Isaiah 30 and verse Eight, as soon as I get there, because I'm still trying to turn there myself because I don't want to misquote that Isaiah 30 and verse eight. And the reason why I'm going there is because I want to show you a mindset of how people are concerned, but yet still careless at the same time. And I want you to watch Isaiah 30 and eight, what the Bible says. Now go write it before them in a table and note it. In a book that it may be for a time to come forever and ever that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seals, see not and to the prophets, prophesy not prophesy not unto us. Right things speak unto us. Smooth things prophesy deceit. Get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Lord, have mercy. Do you understand what was just read there? Isaiah was told, look, I don't want to hear what the Lord has to say because it's against what I feel. False doctrine has a way of making people very concerned about their own being, but careless when it comes to God's word. I want you to tell me 
I'm more concerned about what you need to tell me, in my opinion, what I like. As opposed to you telling me the truth that's going to hurt me. That's concerned about one end and careless on the other. And I want you to turn now. I want you to turn your Bibles to Second Timothy chapter four. Same concept. Second Timothy chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four. And we're going to start at verse one. I want to take a look right now at that. Second Timothy uh, chapter four and verse one. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead. At his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now watch this. For the time will come when they will not endure, put up with, just can't stay with it. What? Sound doctrine. Well, what will they do? But after their own lust, Shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears? Have you ever seen a dog that, you know, you scratch it on his ears a little bit and then you leave him alone, but they come right back and they want you to nudge him a little bit more. Well, well, they're trying to get something out of you. They want to get that good, cozy, comfortable feeling. False doctrine only comes from false teachers. And what a false teacher do, he'll tell the person what they want to hear and the person will come back so they can get that good, cozy, comfortable feeling. Now, if that prophet doesn't give it to them, they'll go find another one and then they'll find another one and another one and another one. This is heaping, heaping to yourself. They'll pile on. They'll find as many false prophets as they can to tell them what they want to hear because they cannot endure what God has already planned for people to do. They don't want to stick with that. It doesn't make them comfortable. In fact, people would rather be comfortable in sin than be uncomfortable with the truth. And this is the problem because truth does make people uncomfortable. But truth also reveals that we need to change. Stick with the plan that God gave us. Stick with the plan that the Bible has already planned out for us. I want you to go back now to Hebrews 13, because I want to show you something about that point I just made. Let's go back now to Hebrews 13 and let's look at verse nine again. We've already looked at it's a good thing that the heart be established with grace. But notice what it says, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. OK, what does that mean? It hasn't profited them that have been occupied there. The word occupied there is a very, very, it's a very interesting word. It means walk. It means basically a way of life. People are so concerned about their own way of life. They have been occupied with the things of this world and not occupied by the things that God said. Didn't God say, did not God say in Matthew 4, 4, that it is written that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's okay. Yes, we should live off of food. Yes, I'm not saying don't eat. But when a person is occupied, meaning that this is their way of life, this is the only thing they want to do is be concerned about what they can put in their mouth or in their mind to make them feel right. They are occupied by that. I want you to turn. I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four for the Christians. Because that same walk that people are doing, walking with the way of the world, being occupied, tied down. This is the way of life. What did God have to say through Paul in Ephesians chapter four in verse one, when he was talking to the Ephesians, Christ, the, the, the Ephesian Christians, verse one, I therefore the prison of the Lord beseech you, meaning beg you that you walk, be occupied. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. God is saying, yeah, go ahead and get your food. I'm Remember God's grace. 
I'm blessing you to have the food that you have in the first place. But don't be so occupied. Don't be so concerned about that, that you're careless about what God have, has for you to do to walk as a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, then you only walking by the way of the world and not by the way of God. So what's happening here? What's the most dangerous pan pandemic on this planet? Is it us not sticking to the plan of trying to isolate ourselves so this pandemic of the coronavirus can go away? Or is it the false doctrine or the way of lifestyle that people are concerned about their own being and careless about God's being? Which one is more dangerous to you? I believe, I believe the most dangerous pandemic is false doctrine and sin. That we are, we are still neglecting God. I believe that. So now let's go on to point number three. And this will be the last point here. Uh, point number three. It is contagious with consequences. I don't have to tell you that the coronavirus is very contagious. It didn't take much for the coronavirus to spread, did not. Didn't take much. Well, guess what? It didn't take much for false doctrine to spread either. In comparison, all false doctrine needs is a person to believe it. Well, just like the coronavirus, all the coronavirus needs is a living host to get a hold of it. That's all it needs. And the coronavirus started small. Well, how did false doctrine start? Well, false doctrine started small, too. If you've ever read the Genesis account in Genesis 3, uh, in Genesis 3, 4, the Bible shows there that Satan, he used one little word, just one small word, N-O-T, three letters, not. When he said, thou shalt not surely die. That's what he said. All Eve had to do was accept it. Well, guess what? All the coronavirus had to do was get to one person. And then that one person who got it infected somebody else. And then it affected somebody else. And now the whole world has been plagued with it. And the consequences of it is... If it's not treated properly, like I said earlier, it could kill us. It could. Well, false doctrine is the same way. Once Eve believed that false doctrine, who'd she contaminate after that? Well, her husband came along and instead of being the leader that he needed to be, he fell for it. He went right along with her. She infected him and then the whole world. Was infected. I want you to turn your Bibles to um, Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five, and I want to take a look at verses twelve through fourteen. Romans chapter five, verses twelve through fourteen. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who was a figure of him that was to come. What is that saying? It's not saying that people were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. That's not what that's talking about. That's another false doctrine that needs to be exposed. No child is born a sinner. What happened was, but if that been the case, then you need to take a look at Genesis 1, 32. Genesis 1, 31, 32, when God saw that everything that he had made, God saw it and said everything was very good. That included, man was included in that. So when man was first put here, he was not a sinner at the beginning. But what happened when they sinned, sin came in. And what was the consequences? The consequences was that death reigned on everybody. The whole world was contaminated. That was the consequence. 
Those were the consequences of their sin. Now, what about the babies? Well, when the mother has a child, the child is born perfect. But that perfect child is born into a sinful world. Well, what happens? Now the child is in a world full of sin. And eventually the child grows up and gets contaminated because sin is contagious. Gets contaminated because they see the same thing that we were doing. And they do the exact same thing because everybody, everybody has sinned when they get, when they become of age, they start to sin. They have that tendency to sin and they do sin. And even if you say you hadn't sinned yet, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, you in your sin because the world has contaminated, has been contaminated with sin. So if you haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ, you in your sins. So now a baby is born into a sinful situation, a sinful world. So when David said in Psalms 51, uh, in sin did my mother conceive me, he's really saying my mother had me in a world full of sin. Not that I was the sinner. <laughs> no. So babies don't sin. They don't have any sins. So now, but when they grow up, and when they are born into this world, they are born into a sinful world. And then they follow the tendencies of the world and they start to sin uh, uh, when they get older. Just like me, when I was born into the world, I didn't have any sins. I had a big afro, but I didn't have any sins. As a kid, I had an afro, if you can believe that. But when I got older, I saw my friends and other people, things around me that were sinful. And I wanted to do it, too. And I did it. And so now no one is born in sin. But what they'll do is they'll grow up and they'll start to sin. But at the beginning, they're not born. sin. so you don't have to. If those of you that's listening, you don't have to get your baby and go to some little church and have water sprinkled on the head. That's there's no purpose in that. That does the baby any does doesn't do the baby any good at all. You know, that's not necessary at all. Babies don't have any sin, they're pure. And besides all that, babies can't even obey the gospel of Christ. How can they? One of the, one of the prerequisites of obeying the gospel of Christ, you have to confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Now, how in the world can a baby do that when they can't talk? So that doesn't apply to babies, but it does apply to grown people, people that of age, people that know better. And so I don't want to end on a bad note because I want us to take a look. I want us to take a look at at uh, Romans five and uh, let's just take a look at 15 here, because what I'm about to tell you, there is a cure for sin. Now, there is no cure for the coronavirus. As we know, now, there are some conspiracy theorists out there that think that it is. I don't know. But even if it's not, all I can tell you, the good news is there is a cure for sin, there is a cure for false doctrine, and it's called the truth. And the truth came down here in the person of Jesus Christ. Verse 15 of Romans chapter 5, Romans 5, 15, uh, where it says, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one Many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the cure for sin. Jesus Christ is the cure for everything. Let's just get that out of the way. Jesus Christ is the cure for everything. I want you to drop down to verse 21 of Romans 5. That is sin reign unto death. That's the consequences. And that consequence there, that death there, it ain't just talking about physical death. It's talking about eternal damnation. It's talking about a person dying in their sins and then being lost eternally into a blazing fire of hell. That's what that's really referring to. I'm just not going to sugarcoat that. That's what that's referring to. That's horrible. But here's the thing. 
Even so, my grace will reign through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. See, we can have eternal life forever. You have one of the greatest feelings in your mind. And I want you to reflect back on the greatest feeling in your mind. Just think about that. It was a great feeling. You never want that to end. Well, guess what? When a person obeys the gospel of Christ. And when we leave this planet, if Jesus doesn't come back anytime soon, we might will die. But here's the thing. The most greatest feeling that you ever had will be a thousand, ten thousand times more better than what you can imagine. When you get to be with God eternally, because Jesus Christ made that available to us. The cure is the gospel of Christ. Have you obeyed the gospel of Christ? Have you obeyed that? What is the gospel of Christ? It's the cure for sin. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation unto everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein lies the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And that faith comes by the word of God. What does God's word say about obeying the gospel and how to obey it? Well, first of all, a person must believe that gospel. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures? First Corinthians 15, one through four. Do you believe that? If you believe that and you should believe that because Jesus said, if you do not believe that. You can't be where he is. John 8, 24, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sin. And where I am, you cannot come. Well, Jesus wants you to come. So you need to believe. Do you believe that? Well, once you believe that, are you willing to repent of your sins? Luke 13, 3 and verse number five. Jesus says, I tell you, nay, except you except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And he said that in verse number five. So he said it twice. But Jesus doesn't want anybody to perish according to Second Peter 3 and verse 9. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance should simply mean to change your mind. Change your mind. Make up your mind to change your mind to live right for God, to walk with God. Okay? Once you've done that, Confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Matthew 10 and verse number 32, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Are you saved once you make that confession? No, not yet. No. Even though confession is important, but that's not the only thing that you need to do. The next thing is you need to be baptized. See, God has given you a cure for sin. And what happens in baptism? Baptism washes away the sin that's contaminated you, the sin that has made you sick, the sin that has separated you from God. This is the medicine. You are baptized and your sins are washed away according to Acts 22 and 16. You access the blood of Christ, Revelation 1, 5. You access that blood and that blood cleanses you of all and I mean, every last and you can be a serial killer out here. If you obey the gospel of Christ, a child molester, God's grace is sufficient for everybody to save everybody. Everybody's sick with sin. I don't care what kind of sin it is. Sin is horrible. But it doesn't matter what kind of sin. All it takes is one sin and we can all lose our soul. Does God want that? No. So sin is sin. And God can save you from all of them. And this is how he's doing it. So be baptized because Jesus said so. Matthew 28, 18, 19 through 20. That's what Jesus said to be baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. So Jesus said to be baptized. If there is someone out here telling you that you do not have to be baptized, that's a false prophet. Because Jesus said to, why are you listening to somebody that said you don't have to? Yes, you do. If Jesus said to do it, then it needs to be done. End of discussion. 
Do what Jesus said to do like he said to do it. Be baptized. And once you are baptized, then guess what God does? After he cleanses you of all these sins that contaminated you, he quarantines you. Yeah, I said that. He quarantines you. Meaning, Acts 2, 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Where is he putting you to quarantine you? In the church. The church is the only place where you can be safe from sin. Quarantine. Now, when people are quarantined, how long do they have to stay in there till they till they heal? Well, when the Lord puts you in the church to quarantine you from the world, how long do you think you have to stay in there? You have to stay in there until the Lord comes back to receive you. Now, which church is it? Well, it's the church of Christ. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church. He didn't say he was going to build somebody else's church. If it's his, it belongs to him. It's named after him. And so it's the church that belongs to Christ. It's the church of Christ. It's named after him. And the people that come out of there are called Christians. They're not called anything else. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. That's what they're called because they're after Christ. So they come out of the church of Christ and they are Christians from Christ out of the church of Christ that belongs to Christ. So you have to stay in that church, be in that church to be quarantined from sin. Now, I know some people out here uh, that have told you that it doesn't matter what church you go to. I, I believe you can count to one. And if Jesus said my church, that's singular tense. Then he only made one. Then we need to be in it and stay quarantined in it from sin. Now, some of us that are already members of the church, you're coming out of there and you want to be contaminated by sin. Well, the good thing is God still has the medicine to cleanse you from your sin. All you have to do is repent and come back to him and get back in to a rightful relationship with him. Stop being contaminated by the world. Stick with the plan of God. Now, I know our country hasn't stuck with the plan of trying to get the coronavirus out because they're more concerned about something else. But what they're doing is making the world more contagious. And the world is already contagious with false doctrine. And there will be consequences for the false doctrine. I don't want us to be a part of that. Don't be a part of that. Be a member of the Lord's church and stay faithful unto him, unto death. Revelation 2.10. Do that. And one day when the Lord comes back, you will not have to worry about a coronavirus. In fact, you won't have to worry about any virus at all. Any contamination. The only thing that you'll be concerned about is that God wants you to be there with him. That's it. And that's going to be a great, nutritious, delicious feeling. It's not only going to taste good, but it's going to feel good to you. Now, that's what I want for you. That's what the Lord wants for you. Now, if you have any questions, concerns, please feel free to let us know. We love you. We care about you. We want you to stay safe. Thank you for listening to the BCV show. I am Chuck Morrell with my co-host Marcus Washington. Thank you for listening to the book, chapter, and verse show.